You know it's big news if there's a need for an emergency episode of the Pac-12 Apostles. Two things up. Number one, the Pac-12 is in deep doo-doo with the LA Times. The second thing is the Pac-12 2020 college football schedule is out and we must discuss it. He's Ralph Amsden, I'm George Reister, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. We'll save all the rest of the pageantries. If you want to hear everything else about the Amazon giveaway, all of that, listen to either the previous or the next episode. But right now, we have some stuff to discuss. We thought it was only going to be one thing, Ralph, with the Pac finding out by John Canzano, who does, who's the kind of the Pac-12's bulldog. Uh, John Wilner does a great job covering the conference as well. But if you're looking for somebody to get into the nitty gritty and really, you know, uh, be the bulldog, it's John Canzano. And they did an an investigation for what what was it, Ralph, like a year and a half? I think it's uh, 18 months or something like that. A lot of this was uh, making references to 2018. Yeah, so so what so what happened is is the Pac-12 we find out has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on crisis management and PR. Okay, does that sound terrible? The only problem is is that why on earth does the conference have to spend so much on on PR and crisis management because you have inherent problems? No other conference has to spend that much on that. And here is the problem. They were going to pay the LA Times $100,000, create their own reporter to cover non-Olympic sports to write additional articles positively about the conference. The reporters live and die on access, as you know, Ralph. If you give them access, they'll write so the fact that the Pac-12 felt that they needed to pay to do it, what the hell is going on? I don't know. Uh, the way <laughs> the way that I I uh, read this whole thing was that I mean the the Pac-12 understands that they have an image issue. They at least understand that much. They don't seem to understand the root of that image issue or the validity of that image issue, but they do understand that they have one. And I think that they understand that their image issue is twofold. One is they're not being talked about enough. And two is that when they are being talked about, it's bad. So, uh, I feel like I've I've been prepared my, my whole life to, to cover the PAC 12, just being an Arizona sports fan, because all of the, uh, Pro teams down here are completely dysfunctional. I will say that it's not um, it's not out of the the, the realm of uh, what should be done to consult others in order to figure out what you need to do to improve things. But if you have taken off the table the option of making any changes to the foundation of what you built when you have a foundational problem then every type of repair is cosmetic. And and anything that a crisis management uh, corporation or organization could suggest to you is window dressing. Um, and it's a bit uh, 
it's a bit lecherous and masturbatory. Like these companies come in. And I always think crisis management companies just come in and leech money like that. And yeah. And, and tell you what, Hey, first let's spend three days going over what you are good at. So they can give you a nice big pat on the back. Um, but yeah, so w- one of the suggestions was finding ways to get more Pac-12 stories out there that, you know, they, they, they established a partnership with the Players' Tribune. And then somebody, you know, had the harebrained idea of fostering a relationship with a young unknown reporter at the LA Times Blake and bringing Richardson. them along. Yeah, Blake Richardson. And, 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 uh, and, and um, giving her, it's a her, right? Giving her yes. more access. Yep than anybody else has turning her into the premier PAC 12 reporter, sort of out of nowhere in exchange for a hundred thousand dollars in advertising revenue to head to the LA times, which Um, is violates pretty much every journalistic practice of legitimate newspapers and all of that. It definitely dances up against the line, (laughs) right? Because advertising is a big part of print media, which has now moved to online media and if if you know you have an investigative arm of what you're doing, then you could run into something at any given time where you have to disclose that you take advertising dollars from somebody that you're writing about. And I'm sure that every paper runs into questions of you know is this worth our while? But usually it's not this blatant and silly. Uh, this is just this is just a dumb thing to have done. And one of the interesting questions that I saw online was, does this look worse for the Pac-12 or the LA Times, George? Uh, oh, especially since they just suspended a roster from Markazi, then, yeah, it looks bad on the LA Times, too. You just suspended a Rosh Markazi because you felt like potential plagiarism of his own stuff. I, I just It just begs the question, what the hell is going on over there? But that's not who we care about the most. We care about the Pac-12 here. So it's a bigger deal to the Pac-12 because it. I, I, I thought that the word masturbatory was a great word to use because you are just you, you're just doing something and getting no results. Like you, you, you get a temporary <laughs> fix, but it doesn't but it doesn't solve the actual problem. What you're what you're trying to do. I don't know how Larry Scott. First thing is still commissioner after this. How on earth do you not solve the problem? You already have the Pac-12. Mind you, all the presidents who hired Larry Scott are gone, except for two. Um, you, you got the guy at Arizona State and the guy at UCLA. That's it. Everybody else is new. So with that being said, he's got to go. You have the highest paid commissioner in all of college sports, the lowest revenue, the highest uh, administrative expenses. You have bloated upper management salaries. Your headquarters is in San Francisco for inexplicably. You have the least visibility in terms of the households that you're in. Your conference is it, it is a miracle. Oregon is thriving. Washington is doing very well. It, it is a freaking miracle. The, you must say that those people are running their organizations and their schools very well because you got Cal underwater in the athletic budget, having to borrow money from the school. 
UCLA in the same discussion. If it weren't for Arizona State and Arizona getting so much state money, they would probably be in the same position. I, I just can't justify Larry Scott, and, and I hope that he's getting better from... See, Ralph, so mad, my neighbor's car alarm just went off. See how upsetting that was? I, I just can't understand how this dude is still at the helm, and I pray that he is getting well from the coronavirus quickly so he can be fired. I don't think he eats this. I don't think... Uh... I don't think the buck stops with with him here. Um, I just he he's been invincible thus far. We, we think about all the problems, and you outlined some of them. You know, he uh, is the highest paid commissioner with exponentially higher expenditures in the conference, uh, much lower TV revenue, much lower uh, availability attendance is taking. Um, an absolute nosedive, no participation in the college uh, football playoff outside of, you know, once recently, you know, USC has been, uh, which is supposed to be the stalwart of the conference, uh, you know, hasn't necessarily been competitive, which, which hurts everything overall. Um, You know, he hasn't even paid back the home loan that he took out. It's the whole thing has just been a mess. He's been on the wrong side of almost everything. Um, He, and and yeah, but and if if that didn't do it, I just don't understand how this is going to be the thing that does. And and my question for uh, people out there is, you know, what are you going to do to try to convince guys like Michael Crow who act as a shield for him? Because without Michael Crow and his staunch defense and how dismissive he is of criticisms, I'm not sure that Larry Scott still has a job. And at the end of the day, this whole thing reminds me. I actually got a kick out of this thing. It made me laugh. The whole thing reminds me of uh, a plot point of the the movie Elf, where the uh, the the dad, played by James Caan, Walter, is trying to boost book sales um, right before the holidays. So they need a real good idea for a children's <laughs> book. And the the idea that his team comes up with, and in this illustration, the team is. You know the the the, the Pac-12 um, corporate bigwigs. The idea they come up with is to bring in another writer, to bring in Miles Finch, right? Yeah. Um, and so you know, it's their idea, or it's it's their job to come up with ideas that can make the Pac-12 more viable and relevant, and and they're paid to do so, and they're uh, they go out and get a consulting firm, and they're paid to come up with the ideas, and their idea is to go out and pay another person. Hold on. I got a, I got an even better idea for you, Ralph. Well, I mean, just to make it even worse. To make it even worse, you paid people to cover Olympic sports. You didn't pay people to cover basketball. You didn't pay people to cover football and get more coverage about the things that actually make money. You paid to cover water polo and tennis. You paid to cover gymnastics. Not that those things aren't worthy of being covered, but are those things, they don't move the financial needle. Like this is the pure idiocy of of Larry Scott's plans and the other presidents who've gone along with it. Do you think it has to do with his interests? Because I remember one time I had- He did come uh, from tennis. 
Yeah, and an investor came to me and they were like, "Hey, really love what you're doing, um, and I want to invest. I want to give you money to bring in some more people, but I want you to spend a lot of your energy and time and effort transitioning to covering club hockey." And it was just a, it like for me, it was like, "Well, it's an immediate no because no one's going to read that," and. Um, yeah, so I mean, if, you, if your investment in me depends on me changing, then you know, then it's not an investment in me, um, and it, it just seems like a, a lack of an understanding of what moves the needle. You know, they call this the Conference of Champions, making reference to sports that people aren't necessarily interested in, and. and you know, they're in it of itself. These sports bring great value to the participants in these sports. Not everything needs to be a hit. Not everything needs to move the needle. But you definitely don't want to pretend that the things that don't move the needle, the needle, are are, are worth putting a ridiculous uh, and exorbitant amount of resources behind. Because that yeah. that's you know that's silly. And then at the same time. You haven't done enough to make sure that the colleges that are part of your conference aren't turning around and canceling those sports the way that Stanford just did. So, I don't know. This whole thing's a mess. Uh, They decided to bring in Miles Finch, and what they didn't anticipate is that the staff of the LA Times are a bunch of angry little elves. So it backfired on them. It all got leaked to John Canzano, and it's just another black guy, another another embarrassment um, for for this conference, I think it, wor- it looks worse for the LA Times than it does for the Pac-12 because this is the type of thing you expect the Pac-12 to do. This is not the type of thing that you expect a a, a major media outlet to participate in. Dude, it makes me want to throw something because the the lady Blake Richardson, who everybody describes as like an innocent victim in this situation, because if somebody gives you a great opportunity to further your career, and you know you're going to take it. She didn't have anything to do with the advertising. She just thinks she got a great opportunity. She was used, dude. They offered her a trip to with Cal's basketball team to China, inside access, phone uh, conferences with Larry Scott and everybody else. And you're like, she's like, wow, I got access. They told her specifically, you will be the number one Pac-12 go-to person. And in exchange, she was supposed to give coverage about these things. And I, I just don't understand how the money is not the focus. We've we've talked about it, and it is just blatant mismanagement. You are hurting recruiting of, from USC, from every other conference, because when articles like this come up, you don't think they show them the recruits? You don't think that those coaches are, are putting them out saying – Hey man, listen. Pac-12 is only in 18 million homes, aside from when they're on, you know, ESPN around our games and on Friday nights and Thursday nights when everybody, when nobody's watching. You know, you can go over there and play, or you can come down here with the big dogs and come play. You can, you yeah, can come up um, to, to, to the Big Ten and play. It may, it does make me wonder who Canzano's source was on this because it, 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 he made it sound like he's got people inside the Pac-12 and also at the. Uh, at the LA times. And, um, I do know that, uh, Andrew Greif was, uh, an Oregon football 
yep. or just o- Oregon in general reporter for a really long time and somebody that I followed and somebody who's actually broken uh, quite a few stories that I've read. And now he's working down there at the LA Times and and uh, it just makes you wonder. It, it, it makes you wonder if that's one of the uh, the connections that Canzano had into this whole thing. Um, and I guess kudos to uh, whoever it was, if it wasn't uh, Andrew Greif or, or anybody that we know of, uh, but kudos to whoever it was for, for having the ethics to, to blow the whistle on something like this. I will say that I did think that the story took a couple of twists and turns that it probably didn't need to. And it's pretty obvious that John Canzano likes to uh, twi- twist the knife he's already dug in um, here and there. Uh, it was it was quite a read, and um, and 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 every once in a while you notice a little pot shot that maybe maybe deviated from the topic at hand. Um, but the the one that stuck out to me was him mentioning that one of the crisis management firms was uh, was headed up by a personal friend of Larry Scott. And he was able to, I think, outline what that guy charges other people, which kind of made it sound like the uh, the, the Pac-12 is giving hundreds of thousands of dollars to f- personal friends of. No, they didn't make it sound like it. it, it <laughs> <laughs> dude, I, I, dude, if I, I am on the verge. I promise you. I if if the Pac-12 continues down the path, if they bring Larry Scott back. I am going to be like one of these uh, fake protesters that say that they're boycotting sports and say I'm boycotting the Pac-12, even though I'm not. I'm just going to want to so badly. Oh, you're going to early Kirk this? You're going to tweet every five months, this is why I don't watch the Pac-12 anymore while watching the (laughs) (laughs) Pac-12? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so this has been... Well, let's talk about something that the Pac-12 actually did right, in my opinion. The schedule, yep. Yes, so the Pac-12 released its schedule today, and we will put a link to it in the description of the podcast. But it is a what a ten-game schedule starting September 26th, going down till December 5th, and how it and an open week, which is that twelfth week, because there's a bye week in, in between as well. Uh, that 12th week, December 12th, would be an open week, and then they would have the 13th week would be the Pac-12 championship, would be which would be hosted by the home team. So I'll let Ralph explain more of the schedule to you because it was pretty. It had some alphabetical order tendencies to it, so I'll <laughs> let him cover it. It's pretty nifty. Um, the season is supposed to start on September 26th, uh, and it actually opens up with a lot of teams facing either rivals or teams that are closer in proximity um, that they would normally play to see if they can figure out logistically what to do in some of these, uh, some of these games. So like uh, the territorial cup, Arizona, Arizona state that opens week one now, instead of being the last game of the season, Um, UCLA and USC is week one. Now, Um, you know, not everybody got their rivalry game week one, uh, but it, it is very interesting the way that it's structured. Week one is a flex game, and not just for the whole conference, but individually for any of these teams. If ASU U of A gets canceled uh, or, or it can't kick off on September 26th for any given reason, it gets moved 
to October 17th. And week two is set up uh, as a flex that way as well. So let's say let's say that the entire first two weeks can't happen and that the season ends up happening on October 10th. Then what that means is week one will be moved to your designated bye week, which you match up your bye week with your week one opponent, and week two will be moved to week 12. So they have multiple fail-safes built in uh, and multiple contingency plans built in for every single team in the Pac-12, which I think is just um, – it shows some real innovation and ingenuity. I, I, I am appreciative of that existing. So as of today, we're like seven, eight weeks away from potentially having football and at most 10 if they can get this figured out. Um, one of the only things that stands out to me that I'm not 100% sure of with this schedule is Arizona's still a hot mess, so I'm not sure it's the best idea to have two Arizona teams playing each other or any Arizona home games at all for the time being. And I also know California's attitude um, toward, toward a lot of this is, that is going on as well. And so uh, any of the, the games that are in California or in Arizona week one or two, I think, are still probably at a threat of, uh, of being pushed for now. But I think uh, what's nice about this is it's, uh, a, you know, some people are carrot people, some people are stick people. And uh, because there's not really mandates in a lot of these um, states, like the one I live in for masks, there is no stick. So you have to offer somebody a carrot and basically say, if you want football on September 26th and you want it to be the most important game of the season, then you need to get your crap together because if not, it's going to be either October 17th or not at all. So Larry, Larry Scott said, quote, the schedule and plans approved today and the path to return to competition are subject to public health orders and will be taken in accordance with health and well-being guidelines developed by the Pac-12 Medical Advisory Committee. And also each team must have at least four weeks of practice uh, as far as their training camp. So in comes California. California, three of the four teams in California. So there's four teams, USC, UCLA, Cal, and Stanford. USC, UCLA, and Cal are still conducting outdoor strength and conditioning drills. The teams can't gather in large groups. They can't tackle, and they can't even share a football as of today. So that's what makes USC's schedule so interesting because their first three games are in the state of California. The biggest threat to this whole thing not happening right now, to me, is USC's early season schedule. And they just had UCLA, Cal, Stanford. Yeah, and they just had a 40-person outbreak on Greek Row. And I talked about this on my podcast where I said that the biggest danger to college football is are the rest of the students because uh, there's yeah. such a like they're inevitably going to be risky. And if you want sports to happen, if you want that sports money, then the students are the danger to the sports. A 40 person outbreak on Greek row at USC sounds like a good time. Well, school hasn't it's, even started. Yet. <laughs> it does sound like a good time. It's that's like that's a hell of a kickback. Yeah, that was a great. That was a great night. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Stanford still can't even tackle yet, but they can gather together in large groups for for practice. I 
I love the schedule, Ralph. I love it. This is the this is one of the coolest things the Pac-12 has done in a really long time. Like I I feel like and it it might not work out, but I feel like they nailed this. And uh, it feels weird to be doing an emergency podcast to talk about the schedule and another one of the Pac-12's major, major blunders coming to light. Um, Because it's definitely going to run hot and cold, but they do deserve praise for this. And so, I mean, just to show you that we're just not massive downers who hate on Larry Scott for no reason, this is cool. And, you know, if you, if, if, um, if you, if the blame lays at the feet of the man in charge for when things go wrong, um, then you got to give him some, some credit for this as well, because I think this particular schedule might save football for the PAC 12. What I really worry about though, is, uh, is I, I'm, I'm out and about, well, I'm not out and about, but, uh, I do watch the news here in the state of Arizona and I got friends who are out and about and I see their social media timelines all day. I'm not sure Arizona's going to be able to kick this in the next seven or eight weeks. And, um, and I, and I know that, uh, California on the other hand, whether or not they kick this, everything is sort of at the whims of, you know, how Gavin Newsom is feeling at any given time. And so, you know, that that uh, all California schedule for USC kicking off the season, um, it, it, it's uh, risky for sure. Well, it, well, I actually think it makes sense because those are the schools who may not even be able to play. So yeah. maybe everybody else can still continue to play without them, if, if so. Um, I, Ralph, you just said that, that we are positive people. But I come back to this. I come back to this. The five stages of grief. And I feel like we are content that we are stuck in stage three. I had already weeks ago, because you know the denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. I had accepted that we weren't gonna have football. I said it on my podcast today that the NFL is going to, I'm sorry, that the NBA is going to finish, hockey's going to finish, they're going to start to finish, they're in a bubble, it's going to work. MLB is suspect. And the NFL super sketchy. And college football is beyond super sketchy. And I was in acceptance that those last three things weren't going to happen. But then these conference-only schedules got me back to bargaining, and I feel like we are in a perpetual state of bargaining right now. And, yeah. I, I disagree. I think I think the the, the stages of grief, uh, you know, I, I think that that's kind of a tried and, and true thing. Um, but with when it comes to the football season, I don't feel like I get them in order. And I definitely feel like I have at least four at any given time. Um, because accepting that there would be no football makes me depressed. Uh, and, and being depressed uh, about football makes me angry. Um, and so, you know, I, I feel, and, and, you know, with the bargaining, bargaining part makes me feel angry because it makes me realize I'm helpless and my ideas don't matter because it's always, you know, it, I have no control over this situation, uh, at all. And so, um, I, I, I feel like the one that I have licked is denial, um, but, you know, if anything else goes wrong to, to delay this, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll go right uh, right back to one. Uh, who, who Was that a Brian McKnight joint starting back at one? Yeah, back at one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, 
that concludes, I guess, our emergency Pac-12 Apostles podcast. You guys, make sure that you guys hit us up. We will have way more on this stuff next week as well, but we thought we needed to talk about it because as soon as we finish recording, the next morning, boom, LA, LA Times. So we thought we needed <laughs> to cover it for you guys. Um, we appreciate your time, appreciate your energy. Make sure you share the podcast with somebody who needs to hear it. Peace out.